0: William Shakespeare said, this above all, to thine own self be true. Welcome to this episode. We've got Topher Grace in the house. I just went on his show that he launched, and it was an incredible adventure. And so we're bringing him on to share his story. And for those that don't know who Topher is, he became famous for that 70s show. He played Eric Foreman in the Fox sitcom, that 70s show, which took over the TV world for a number of seasons. Then he went on to play in Spider-Man 3. He was in many other movies as well. He was an interstellar. And recently in Spike Lee's film Black Klansman, which if you haven't seen that, extremely powerful and inspiring as well his other roles, he's been in traffic, Mona Lisa Smile, Valentine's Day, Take Me Home Tonight, The Big Wedding, War Machine, and Under the Silver Lake. Lots of other stuff. This guy's been around for a while now doing some incredible work. And in this interview, we talk about the biggest lessons Topher learned on that 70s show. What it was like being a young kid rising to fame so quickly with his first acting job. Pretty crazy and how he got that job. We talk about how his parents kept him grounded being young and successful when everyone wanted a piece of them. The power of listening on and offset. When he learned to actually listen deeper and not get into his head too much. And we discussed what Topher is still insecure about after over a decade in TV and the film industry. Powerful interview. Make sure to share it with your friends. Let me know what you think over on Instagram at Lewis House, And as always, you can watch the full video interview over on YouTube
1: At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
2: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the true accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
0: Big thank you to our sponsors, and I'm excited about today's episode with the one and only Topher Grace. Welcome back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the legendary Topher Grace in the house, man. Good to good. see you,
3: So oh, Good to see you, man. Doing well? Uh, yeah, really well. And I'm sure you're about to say this, but we had an incredible experience together. So yes. it's good to see you post that experience. Yes, we had an amazing journey, an yep. adventure, a minor adventure. A minor, not a big not A minor adventure. A just minor, an, adventure. minor adventure, yeah. Topher's got a new podcast
0: out called Minor Adventures. And uh, that's what it's called, right? Minor Adventures. Yeah.
3: and uh, (laughs) You
0: create a a magical experience for people.
3: Well, I don't know if this is what you want to go into right off the bat, but its I I didn't know you then. Yeah. We just met like two minutes
0: before we did this. It was like
3: going on some date or something, and you'd been... Sim 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 asked me to do this thing. He's
0: like, hey, I'm launching this new thing. I don't know if it's going to work or not. It could be like the most incredible thing or a bust.
3: And boy, did it work. Do you know Matt Nathanson is covering that song? Wait a minute. What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. So every episode, every episode, we'd only done it twice before when you came on and I was so thrilled to have you, you know, knowing of you, but not knowing you. That's kind of one of the fun things about having a podcast. And every guest who comes in like you has no idea what they're going to do. I mean, you can vouch for that. You had no idea what you're going to do that day. I know you didn't. Cause look on your face when we announced what we were going to do, was yeah, kind of yeah. like, what? Uh, so we talked for about 10 minutes and then Sam announces what adventure we're going to do. And it's been, you know, uh, we hooked someone up to lie detector tests. We did Reiki. We did telemarketing on one of them. It was hilarious. You made phone calls, like tell them. We just did beatboxing with uh, Chrissy Metz. It was like, as we try to pair people with things you might not think about. And with you, we got the best pop songwriter in the world. She's written for like Beyonce and a lot of great artists. And she came in and we wrote a song. And it was bad at first. And then she made it good. And then she made it good. <laughs> you helped. I mean, yeah. actually, you came up with what the whole song was uh-huh. kind of going to be about. Uh-huh. And then there was this moment. I just heard it. So, like, you're Sounds at a disadvantage because you haven't heard it yet. But she, um, we found it, right? It was like this magical moment yes. where all of a sudden it was a real song. And then they liked it so much that they had Matt Nathanson, who I'm a huge fan of. I can't believe you haven't heard it yet. We should this? have brought it on the sure. show. Who is this guy? <clears throat> Matt Anderson is a pop song singer and okay, writer. Oh, you've sure heard his stuff. Oh, me. heard his stuff. Uh, I mean, due to rights issues, I'm sure I can't sing it right now. Okay. But but soon you'll know his number one hit single.
0: What's the name of it? Wait, well, I can't remember it. Even if I fall. Even if I fall.
3: Which sounds like a Lewis Howes title for a song. There you go, there you go. But you you really were so game. Even
0: if I fall, we were talking about like overcoming challenges and adversity in your life. Well
3: first, you and I were talking about it and then when she came in the room, she wanted something that was personal and so we kind of referenced what we had been talking about and then I just heard it. Like you come, there's a moment where you kind of come up with a really important part of it. And then I came up with what rhymed, yes. and she was basically doing all of it, let's be yeah, honest. I mean, yeah. she's an amazing songwriter. We're just throwing out ideas. We're just <laughs> grabbing them and making them a real thing. And then it got good. Like, it, we had that moment where we all went, oh! And I, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad I'm doing a podcast so you can capture moments like that. Yeah. And you'll love it when you hear it. It's wow, like excited. It's really fun, yeah.
0: So on the episode, you play it. Well, we guess at the
3: end of the, you have to go through the whole thing. So you hear us kind of find it. Then she plays a, a kind of a loose version of it at the end. And then they wrote a whole thing. And this guy recorded a. I mean, I hope in two weeks this is number one on the uh, Spotify Billboard, or whatever. By the way, remember we gave up our songwriting. Did
0: we? I yeah. thought we split it four ways.
3: I was <laughs> no. we split the credits. Oh, I'll just say this on uh, air here. Um, we, we felt so guilty <laughs> okay. that we said if you get someone to record it, oh, like please. I mean, give them all the money, but uh, we're going to really regret that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I want a million dollars soon.
0: So the song is good. It's actually really good.
3: Dude, I, I think don't think good. I. Well, you know, because I have these pauses where I then haven't heard the show for a while and we're recording new shows. So when it, yeah, when I heard it, I thought it was good when she was singing it, kind of acoustic. And then when I heard, oh, dude, I wish I could just, I should have brought it today and just played it you and, for you. Thought. I would love to have watched your face, like listen. It. Yeah, to the we'll listen to it. Yeah.
0: So we did this whole experience. We
3: did like a mini interview. I was actually interviewing you a lot on the episode. Well, that was the annoying thing, Lewis, is that I <laughs> am three episodes into my own podcast. First podcast. And I'm starting life. to talk about like where I grew up and what my difficulties were and challenges and overcoming them. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been hypnotized <laughs> yeah. All Right Lewis. I mean, I've, I've heard you do this to people, the but you did it to me. You did it to me, yeah. But I think we had the editor cut most of that out. Because <laughs> I remember yeah. saying in the thing, like, well, I see what you did here. Cut this you, out. Yeah, you, yeah. You try, you're trying to turn it on me. Yeah, it was fun, though, man. It's and you cool. were, and I, a lot of what you were talking about in your life was then in the song. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Sim said at the beginning, like, <laughs> he said, let's, make, let's write the anthem for LA. That's like, right. there's no anthem for LA. And that. then we just tore him down immediately. We're like, <laughs> no, we want to write something that's like really, you know, Meaningful. real. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> an anthem for LA. Yeah, because he's so. thinking like New York anthem as like, Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good idea. But
0: we're To not make Drake. money, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're but not I? Drake and Beyonce, <laughs> right. so amazing, man. Well, I'm excited for you. The show's going to be amazing. I'm excited to hear this pop, this hit number one song. But you, uh, you've had an incredible journey because you kind of came into fame as a teen star. And I remember you told me, I think when we met, that you had like zero jobs before that, or maybe did like one play, or wasn't it something like small?
3: Well, I never acted before. I would worked at Suncoast Video, the Stanford Mall, worked at Dunkin' Donuts. So that was kind of the extent of my. 15, 16, 17? Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, like, my mom had to drive me because I didn't have my driver's license. And then I had a really weird thing happen to me, which is I haven't told the story in a long time. I had to tell it all to America at the beginning of when I started on Semi Show, which is I was in a high school play. I I was not that I'm the athlete turned entertainer that you are. I was on the varsity tennis team at the school, boarding school in New Hampshire. And I, which
0: is what, like 300 students or something? Like I mean, not small. even.
3: Like, <laughs> making varsity is like, you just have to be one of the 12 <laughs> best people at tennis. And I sprained my ankle, and I'd had these little parts in the school play, you know, past school plays they'd done, so I tried out for the, like, for the lead, and I got it. It was a big kind of scandal, because I wasn't like a drama kid. Mm. Some of the drama geeks at the school said, we were going to not do the show, and it boycott won't have a, it, yeah. yeah, boycott it. And... They got over that. And then, I mean, they're still probably mad about it because these producers who were the parents of the girl who made the sets were these big-time Hollywood producers. I mean, they were just like my friend Lindsay's parents. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, they called me. I was going to school at USC, so I got out here to USC the next year, and I guess they'd been developing that seventy show, and they called me and said, would you like to come try out for... I'd just been rejected from the film school. It's the only reason I went to USC. I've been rejected three times so I was kind of had no idea what I was doing with my life. And I'd never auditioned for anything outside of, like, school plays. She so did this one school play, and, and the, her parents— My friend. actor friends hate when I tell this story, but <laughs> the head of Fox at the time— You know, I did a lot of, like, mini kind of audition. They said, yeah. okay, we're going to the president of Fox. This is the, your final audition.
0: For well, the 70s show. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And they, so they said, bring a picture and resume, because this is a real audition today. I said, like, so, like, okay, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what's a pick and resume? They said, oh, it's, like, a, a photo of you, so they know who it is. And on the back, you have a resume of, like,
0: you know, all your jobs. Credits,
3: yeah. I said, okay, cool. And I showed up. Dunkin' Donuts. No, no, first of all, yeah, the back was literally Dunkin' Donuts and Suncoast video in the one part I played in that play. And the front was, a <laughs> like, a like a picture like that of me and my friends at Six Flags. No way. I didn't know what they meant. That It's, like, a headshot of, like, wow. you know. So I was... uh I think that they were so shocked that I got the part. Like it was so, like they were looking for a real nerdy kid. And that was what they got. And they got you. Yeah, I wasn't acting nerdy. <laughs> wow. So,
0: you done one play. Your friend who was at the school, or in the play I guess, her parents, they saw it or something? Or were yeah,
3: they saw. I knew them. And I knew they were, they wrote Wayne's World and Tommy oh. Boy. And you know, it was huge movies at the time. And Third Rock from the Sun, which they wrote, had just won a Golden Globe. So we all knew they were watching the show and we thought, oh my, this is amazing. But I don't think in my wildest, I think in my wildest dreams, I would have been like a PA for them during a summer. Maybe I would have asked them after freshman year, like, hey. But then um, I remember when she called this uh, Bonnie of Bonnie and Terry Turner who were you know, just, by the way, they ran Saturday Night Live at one point, like very talented. She called me, but I didn't know it would be my friend's mom. So I was at school and just in my dorm at USC. I think I, I think I was, like, a little high. And she said, like, hey, it's Bonnie. And I was like, oh, like, did, did we, like, go out? Or, like, who are you? <laughs> like, wow. And she was like, no, uh, it's Lindsay's mom. I was like, oh, shit, I got detention. <laughs> like, I, you know, uh, what did I do? I was, like, putting out the whatever. <laughs> and then uh, she's like, no, no, we want you to. And this is before the show existed. So she had to kind of explain what the show was about. Uh, a couple of years ago, I bumped into one of the producers on it, and they said, yeah, we had auditioned like a thousand kids. Like, it wasn't like wow. they were thinking of me. Yeah, they went through everyone in L.A., and I guess I, I did know when I went to the audition that, that everyone was too cool. They were all professional nerds. They had, like, product in their hair. Or they had, like, a little bit of makeup on. They're like... Yeah, they'd be doing their lines. Like. Yeah, like, who you'd hire to play a nerd. Yeah. I was actually a nerd who couldn't get <laughs> laid in college, like, that, at that moment. But these kids were reading the script. You know, they're all reading the script in the hallway. And they're kind of like, uh, you know, Donna, I'm such a loser. And I was like, oh, I got this. Because like, <laughs> I have real like, I experience. Am yeah, I'm a <laughs> loser. Yeah.
0: So you did the... What was it like your audition?
3: Were you nervous? Oh, God. I'm more nervous than I've ever been for anything because I had a feeling. I mean, I just knew it would be a life changer if I got Even if it only went for 10 episodes and was canceled or something, it would be totally life changing for me. But then after I got it, I was, um, I, was I wouldn't say depressed, but I was really, like, if you haven't dreamed that big mm. or anything near that scale, and then it just happens like that. I mean, I left the room and they said, all right. You're going to be on after The Simpsons and before The X-Files. What? And, you know, I was like, oh, my God. How many auditions did you have to do? I did, like, like 12 mini auditions where they just wanted to see that I could, like, repeat what I had done the last time mm-hmm. or come up with something new. And then this one big audition was the real one. With, and, like, some uh, of the
0: other cast members or was it just you?
3: No, the only person I got cast that day was Mila, wow. who was 14 <laughs> at the time. Wow. It was like, crazy. But it was uh, It's funny. I remember everything that happened that year. And that's it. <laughs> like, I don't remember anything after it. Really? Because everything, my learning trajectory was so inverted that first year. It was so hard. I remember in the pilot, the the director said, great job on that scene, but you didn't face any of the cameras. Like, I was that new to it. I didn't know, like, how to, I didn't know anything. So, that first year was, like, the most intense experience of my life. And then, and then it got easier you know yeah of course wow
0: so when there was a, the 12th audition the final one where they were like okay this is it and we're going to make our decision after this
3: how did they tell you And oh they came out and they said hey we're taking you to dinner because you got the part and then over dinner they were telling I mean I was in like a sleepwalking state but I remember they said you got it and then the funny thing is I went back to school it was spring break and you're so I, <clears throat> I hadn't gone back to back home uh, I'm from Connecticut but I hadn't gone there because I had this audition. Spring break, everyone's gone. So this dorm of like 1,000 people was empty. And I just walked through it and I had no one to tell. And Wow. I told like one Korean student who was there because he ramps. couldn't go home. Yeah. I think mean, he knew English. But I was like, I'm gonna be the lead of a, <laughs> of a show. And he was like, oh. Like I'm not even sure still to this day if he understood me, or even if he did, like he probably thought I was insane or something. But, and, then, and then what happened is I started to have headaches because I had like two months until we started working on it. And I started just feeling, don't take any, you know, I, I'm not asking for pity. It was just an interesting thing right, where I right. was, I knew I was very lucky, but I started, it was just a weird place to be to have never have dreamed of anything like that ever happening and then to know you're gonna do it. And it wasn't until, I actually went home just randomly. I went home for a week and skipped school. I was so kind of messed up about it. And then when we started working on it, on the pilot, the first day we started working, I felt better. Cause I thought, oh, this is gonna be really hard. Like, I, it just felt like you won the lottery and it's like you're too lucky or something, you know? and
0: then you're like, oh, this is real work. This is 16, 20-hour days. It's worse
3: for me because I've never memorized a line, I, you know, really. Like, I've never done it in front of people. I've never been on a set before. So once I realized how hard it was going to be, I felt better, if that makes sense. Because why? Because you've realized it wasn't going to be this lucky thing. You had to work for it? Yeah, it felt unfair. It felt a little, I don't know. Like, I get why a lot of people who win the lottery have, like, problems.
0: Mm -hmm. Because they didn't work for it.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I never actually really thought about it. But I think you just feel like someone gifted you something. Mm -hmm. And and then, boy, did we really earn it. Because we really did it for the next seven, eight years. Seven, eight years. How many? Was it eight seasons? It was eight seasons, 200 episodes. So (sighs) it was really, it was like, I look back on it now. It was really the most beautiful thing, doing that show. Because we were kind of the age of the kids when it started. And then we were having these experiences at the same time that I'm sure I know Wilmer was on here. It was yeah. the same way, like we'd I'd go I <laughs> was such good friends with Wilmer we'd, I'd go home and sleep over at his house, and he was in high school, yeah, and like and then we'd you know come back or we'd go you know someone would go see a movie together and we'd, we just came from working all day together. It was just a beautiful just a great experience, and, it, and that it was our first made it so sweet yeah. you
0: know All of you were kind of like newbies, I guess well, I guess maybe Ashton had done some stuff. but Laura
3: had never acted, Ashton never acted. they'd modeled yeah. And Wilmer could barely speak English. <laughs> and uh, Mila and Danny had acted a little bit. Yeah.
0: What was the greatest lesson that
3: you learned in that first season? In that oh, my first God, Lewis, where you mean, were... Oh, my God. It's lessons on top of lessons. I mean, I guess it was mostly teamwork stuff. I wasn't in sports, so I didn't have yeah. your uh, understanding of. Yeah. But true teamwork. Not just kind of like, hey, listen to what everyone says. But like, really, like, we're in a crunch right now. Who do I pass the ball to? That's gonna score, and that's that's why I think that show did so well. Is because I mean there are a lot of reasons, but that cast really gelled fast, and we all knew how to like this is Ashton's strength or this is Laura's strength, uh, that kind of uh, thing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
0: in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app state farm lets you do things your way so when you need help protecting the things that matter most remember to say like a good neighbor state farm is there what would you say is the biggest lesson from the whole eight-year experience like if you look back on all the seasons all the things you learned what was the most important thing that you took away
3: just the other night i was in a tense conversation with my wife Uh it wasn't a fight because I was wrong but I (laughs) I really was wrong and I think I learned to say I'm wrong over the eight seasons yeah I think a lot of people don't that's a skill that we don't like pay a lot of attention to but that's another teamwork thing and we have Mm -hmm. a kid now and like I remember the first time most of my stuff was with Laura Prepon right I worked with everyone but she's amazing actress an amazing person yeah and she's on Orange is the New Black now. I mean, she's yeah. had incredible success. And I remember in, like, the fifth or sixth episode, we had, a, uh, I mean, it wasn't like a fight. It was just, like, I thought we should do the joke one way. She thought another way. She said, okay, let's do it your way. And the middle of the run-through, you you kind of, like, rehearse to then run through it in front of the writers and the and the network and stuff. I did, this is a, this is a first. It's funny, you're saying be real, but the truth is I've never told the story before. I... Um, did what her idea of the scene was. Because in the moment, I was like, wait, she's right. I'm wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, my idea of how this scene... So I did it. It was this kind of dance scene we were doing. Did she and it know got... you were going to do her, her way? No, and... but she went with it because she's such a rock star. And then I was only 19 then, but I, I was like, well, I've never said this before. I kind of went to her dressing room. And I was like, hey, um, you were right. There's not a lot of, like, when you're a student in school, there's not a lot of times you have to. I'm sure it's better if you say I was wrong, but I don't think there's no classes for that, you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of your work in high school is, like, very uh, individual. Mm -hmm. And and certainly in the plays, I thought I was right. Maybe not admitted to myself a couple times that I was wrong. And I said to Laura, like, uh, you were right. I'm sorry. Like, that kind of, and I really meant it. And she was off. She was like, "Sure, just, there's no way she remembers this." But it was amazing for wow. me. And then over the seven years, it's it's uh, quick, like making that process quicker. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, immediately, like before it becomes a thing. You know what I mean? Saying, yeah. "I actually, you're right." Wow. Just shaving down your ego, I guess. Right. Yeah,
0: not dragging it on. Yeah. How do you keep yourself grounded while you guys were just blowing up? You know, individually as a show, as a group of. You know, kids, how did you stay or did you not
3: everyone stay? everyone handled out? that pretty differently, but uh, i I have a great great parents, and I had been to boarding school, so I already was in the process of going home all the time. and it was kind of the same schedule. you know you have the summer's off, yeah. you have like winter break off and so I had a very real place. To, they were in the same house since I was born, so it always felt like I could go out to the real world and then kind of come back in and they're they're great. they're really great. my parents and they really that work, I think, is done before the thing happens yeah. to the person.
0: Yeah. How do you think people could, should handle when a big break happens in <laughs> life, when, the, when they win the lottery or mm-hmm. something happens or they get a big press hit or they get a huge client that maybe they couldn't even dream of like where you were at? Yeah. How can someone take a step back and, and handle that or approach, approach that with grace moving forward so that they don't blow the opportunity? It sounds like
3: you didn't blow it.
0: But you have blow it, but I had headaches and stress. I would have
3: loved to have been better, too. I mean, I certainly made every mistake there was to make. But I think, like, one thing I hated, I remember at the time, was people would say, don't change. And you don't know what that means, especially when you're 19, because you're like, oh, I want to change. Like, I, I hate my life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I hate, uh, like, I, I didn't hate my life, but I wanted to do so many different things. And when people are telling you not to change, you, you also, that's an impossible thing to to do, it's probably bad to not change. They're saying like, kind of stay grounded. I didn't know what that meant. What do I think? Gosh, I think he's probably making every mistake. I sadly don't know if there's a way to. It's it's messing
0: up and fumbling along the way, so you can learn the lessons you need.
3: Yeah, I think that's why I said the most valuable lesson was saying you were wrong. I'll give you a great example of that. That I all these lessons I live with every day because I'm still doing the same job is. Uh, The director, David Traynor, he directed every episode of that show, which is very rare for a sitcom director Mm, to do all 200 episodes. And he's a wonderful human. He started on Broadway, so he comes from a really working with actors place. Some of these TV directors, they're coming at it from more of a visual place, but he's coming at it from an acting place. And like I said, I mean, I was so green in terms of just communicating with actors. I'd say like... You know, in my mind, I thought you were going to do that differently. That's, like, not something you can say as an actor to (laughs) another actor on set. It's like, no, no, I saw it differently in my head. It's, like, you know, (laughs) illegal. But we were all starting, and we were all... He was very patient with us that first season. I think in episode, like, seven or eight, like, really early on, came up to me and said, like, can you do this scene faster? You know, it needs to be quick. And he had an even nicer way of saying, like, I think Eric would be... You know, more you know, wanting to get there, but I understood the message was like faster, like yeah, we got to get yeah, to the commercial, and I was uh, mad because I really liked the way I was doing it. It really stepped on my ego. Oh, like, I didn't even. Season. Yeah, I didn't even look at like. Oh, I don't mean my ego. Like, I had a huge ego. I mean, more like, just it personally hurt my feelings. Like, I had an opinion on the scene. As you always, if you're an actor, I think of any consequence, it's because you're you have a. A uh, idea for the scene. Point of view. Yeah, yeah. point of view. But you know, you're know, you not the boss, you're hired to do that. So I was mad, I eventually did it faster but I was really grumbling about it. I think when I saw it I didn't even pay attention to whether it was actually better or not. I was just like really feeling mad about it. And then like, I wanna say two years later, we're still on the show, it's now season three. I was having a dream and I woke up like early one morning and I was like, was he right about that? I mean, this like <laughs> wow, two years later. <laughs> I was still working with him all the time, and I was like, and I'd noticed how brilliant the guy was. And I was like, well, I don't know if he was right. Maybe we both had good points. Like <laughs> maybe like then half a year after that, I was like, no, he was right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was really <laughs> wrong about that. And so that was now like two and a half years later. And what I realized I needed to do was when. A director comes up to you, have that exact conversation that I had with myself, which is you can't stop yourself from being offended. That's you know, if I came in here and said like, ah, why did you put books here? Why did you? <laughs> it's kind of a lame studio. You you can't like yeah. help yourself from being like, well, I spent a lot of time on this studio. But what you have to do in a period of it's getting it from two years into three seconds is to say like, okay, let me listen, let me open myself, let me you know. So I've, I've tried to take that process, and now when like Spike Lee or Chris Nolan or one of these directors comes up to me. I still have the same, by the way, if anyone comes up to you and says anything's wrong about you, you you, kind of like want to put up a wall. And so that is uh, an example of something that I've taken with me where. That's a
0: powerful skill because most people can hold on to words or something that someone says or doesn't say, an acknowledgement or non-acknowledgement and hold on to it for years like you said, or months or days or hours. And it can consume their mind so much where they aren't incapable of taking action on their dreams or well, yeah,
3: <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I, I mean, mean it wasn't every minute that. of every day thinking about that scene, but. I mean, you've dealt with this and I think actors probably deal with
0: this the most because they're constantly getting critiqued or judged or having to say, no, redo the scene, I'm assuming. So how do, how do you teach other people to deal with that, those emotions where they don't hold on to something but they take the feedback quickly they say, okay, this feels whatever but I'm going to move forward.
3: I, I don't know how to someone else to listen like it's impossible it's like really only there's one person you can control yeah. but i will say the people who don't listen especially on something as collaborative as a film set or a tv set the punishment is theirs you know like even if they think they're standing up for their thing if you don't know how to listen it's it only hurts you mm. who's been the most brilliant person you've worked with
0: actor producer director or just in general in entertainment
3: Well, we did an episode of my podcast with lewis house yeah, exactly that changed the game for me <laughs> I moved. I gave away all my belongings. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> was an actor that you were just
0: like, "Wow, I've never experienced someone so brilliant." Whether it be a scene or
3: consistently, or a director, or you're just like, I can give you a couple people with directors. For me, it was definitely David Trainer who directed Seventy Show, and early on, my first film was Traffic, and Steven Soderbergh was someone I was a huge fan of. Then he would just done Out of Sight and mm. uh, Aaron Brockovich and stuff, and then wow. he was doing Traffic. And, like to be able to work with him. I didn't even know how to appreciate that because it was my first film. But in retrospect, I look back and he also holds the camera, so he's wow. right there with you. But uh, Paul Weitz is an amazing director that I worked with who you've seen his stuff like About a Boy and um, In Good Company, and he's amazing. And I did a play with him in New York. Wow. Another amazing experience. And uh, Spike Lee, who I mentioned, Chris Nolan, and uh, that's been like my... David Michaud is a really great director. I'm more and more I'm working with just directors that I really love so the list gets more mm-hmm. hopefully I can add more and more to that sure. list and actors Adam Driver was in Black Landsman. I got some stuff with him and I thought he was that just guy brilliant man. he was the guy, he was yeah. in Girls wasn't he for yeah seasons. yeah he's That's... in the Star Wars movies now but he's also like him and John David Washington in that movie were like there were one or two scenes I had with it was the three of us and I was like, well, this is a really fun day. I mean, it was very heavy subject matter, but like mm. just bouncing off actors like that is just so much fun. What
0: is it about those actors that make them so unique? That you're like, wow, this has got like a talent that's even beyond.
3: I had a thing looking at Adam a couple of times where I was like, this isn't fair. Like his vessel is so much better. See, he's got this deep voice and this like he's got a like a way of delivering lines that if I wanted to copy, I couldn't. You know else was really great for me and very informative to work with was uh, Dennis Quaid. I actually have done four things with him. Wow. And uh, he's uh, he was in traffic, but then we did this movie in good company. And then we did this movie a couple of years ago called Truth with Cate Blanchett. And that was another set where I was just like, Robert Redford was in that. So we'd be in wow. scenes sometimes, all of us. And I'd go like, screw it. We were at dinner sometimes. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I can't life. believe it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think... I always knew it was working with great people because I've been in great ensembles, but it's more and more what I'm like obsessed with. And just getting around good people and I don't even care if the movie does that well. Yeah. I just want to experience the journey.
0: What makes those people so great, do you think? You know, these few people you've talked about, with these actors.
3: Oh, what's the kind of like the thread? That... Yeah. Man, uh, I think it's that they don't care about the money. Wow, Interesting. They care about the art thing. The craft. All these directors and actors, all of them, they're. When you are doing something for money, it takes on, it's a different thing, and it kind of it just keeps kind of I don't know it's metastasizing. You know what I mean? It just keeps getting more about that, and if you kind of say, like I, I lost money doing Black Klansman, you lost money because you're yeah. an executive producer, or you no, right? no 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 <laughs> no no. The film made money. I wish I had a piece of it, but uh, no, they said we don't know if you're right for this. They'd never seen me do that kind of role. So I said, let me go in and read for Spike personally. And then when I got it, they said, oh, we'd love to have you, but it's a local hire, meaning you have to be from New York so they don't have to fly you out. And I said, oh no, I'll fly myself. And so when you're making decisions from that point of view, right, right. but it's all ego, you know, kind of if you go, oh my God, I didn't get paid. And I had to go in and audition. I've been in the business for a long You could not have that experience. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways you could talk yourself out of it, you know? So you, so you felt like you got a
0: pay cut, you got, you know, you had to do things, you had to drive yourself to work, whatever, to, per se. Type. Yeah, but that's, that's not
3: hard. I don't, right, right. So, I don't know. You got to, you got to live that life way before, uh-huh. you know, like, I remember everyone had, there was a period of time I was on this movie, I was looking around, everyone had an assistant. I was like, what do we need an assistant for? My life is so boring. <laughs> like, I, do you know what I mean? Like, like going to get the, when you're out of work, you know, as an actor, which is the majority of the time, like, you can go get your own dry cleaning.
0: Yeah, you have a lot of free time.
3: at one time I had an assistant because it was my contract for – I was producing a movie. And I was like, can you dial so-and-so? And And she's like, where – and I was like, I'll do it. You know, like I couldn't figure out like – it was like a – it's a waste of time to educate them. There are jobs where you need an assistant, but this is not one of them. But I can see where people start to detach from like, well, now i got to pay for my assistant, so i got to do this project. Uh And then it goes, you know, the wrong way.
0: Wow. So what was that experience like for you being like this white supremacist in a time of our, you know – country and world where it's very Mm. sensitive
3: well it's two very different things playing the character and doing the research for the character was just like near depression like it was wow because I really wanted to come correct for Spike and I did it I read his autobiography which is like you know it's basically his version of Mein Kampf and then I was watching these interviews with him and my wife was we just had our kid at that point she was like you need to take it in the basement. Like first of all, don't run those lines like around us, right. but also like you're just like depressed. Uh, when we started shooting it it was more fun because I said there was so many great people yeah. to work with, but the research was depressing, the doing it and also the idea of working with Spike on something that at that very moment was uh, Charlottesville had just happened. They added that stuff about Charlottesville at the end later. Crazy. So you're watching the news every day. You're so frustrated, as we all are. And then you... And you're the one who's giving the lines. It's like the bad guy. Well, that, that's... But if, yes, that's when I would... Spike would kind of come up and be like, don't worry, I know we shot all just Klan rally stuff this week. But like, this isn't what the film is wow. going to be like. You know, I got you. Just to, as an artist, you, you know, you're an actor. People shouldn't be listening to what you're saying. They really should You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think there's an actor out there that I'm like, yeah, I want to listen to his opinion on... Politics. Right? Right. But we all have opinions. And to go work with someone like Spike, who people should listen to, and to be able to say something. I remember when the trailer came out, we improvised a thing. I, I mean, I went up to Spike and I said, hey, what if we worked in America first? Because it had kind of happened recently. And he said, yeah, that's great. So during the toast, I say America first. And then that in was in the end of the trailer. Speech, or- yeah, I'm giving a speech and I, I lead a toast for everyone start chanting it after me, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna play in the theater." And then when it was at the end of the trailer, I was like, "Is Trump gonna see this?" Like, I mean, I know he watches TV, you know. Right, right. right. <laughs> and so it was a very cathartic experience. It was very tough, but it was very cathartic to be able to have all this frustration and then kind of be able to, you know, it's Spike who's saying something. But I get to help him say something. I really believed cool. in. Yeah.
0: So that was a moment where you had your own opinion and the director said, yeah, I like your opinion.
3: We did a lot of rehearsals, too. I think that might have come out of rehearsals, oh. and it's something not a lot of directors do, but you know, John David, that was his first starring role. We are in these rehearsals, and I was like, oh, this is gonna go great. Like, This guy's amazing. Wow, it's
0: incredible, man. Now, what is that like for your personal life when you play a character that is this evil character in a very sensitive, touchy, you know, subject. Not like the bad guy in some Star right. Wars movie, but
3: well if you're in if you're playing the Joker, you can do a little bit of like, well, you know, maybe I kinda see his point of view. Cause yeah. in my made-up story, his father was abusive to him or right, whatever. Right. In this, it's like, I couldn't find that thing that the more I read and did research on him, and it was a lot, I couldn't find that thing that made me sympathize with him. So what I did was I just played kind of pure evil, but totally covered up. Uh-huh. And uh, and that's how he is, too, in my, in my opinion. It's yeah. like, it all looks very um, easy to digest, and then the deeper you go, the more, and hopefully that's what it feels like in the movie, like the more you get to know the character, yeah. the more you're like, oh, this guy.
0: How do you, f- I mean, we. Did you feel any attacks personally in your personal life?
3: Like, did people come up to you and say?
0: Like, I said that to Spike when I was person. cast.
3: I said, or, you know, man, like I ride the subway sometimes, like, <laughs> <I can't laughs> and he said, no, no, don't worry. Like, uh, I think it's John Turturro or someone said that to him on Do the Right Thing, and he said, no, no, you're with me, like, like don't worry about it. And it's true. The thing I wasn't scared about was black people thinking I was racist. The thing I was scared about was white racists thinking I was racist. Huh. And someone, you know, kind of looking at me and going, "You get it, really?" And I haven't had any of that, but I don't really hang out with any of those right. people. You're but in Hollywood, I'm, like chilling. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. But uh, interesting. I'm. Uh, I, I was nervous when it came out, and I was glad that the film was. I saw it a can for the first time when it premiered, yeah. and I remember when we were doing it. I would say to Spike, like, I, "I mean, I hope we get this, but it's so much humor on on top of something that's so heavy." Like, can this work as a movie? And, and to his credit, I, I turned to him and can. And I was like, I have never seen anything like this, and it did work. Uh, and I, I just, I couldn't believe it. It's a beautiful movie, man. It's a great. Oh, experience. Thanks, yeah,
0: it's very good. Now, what is life like? What was life like pre-marriage and baby as an actor, thriving in Hollywood? And now you have a one and a half year old, married. And what is like life like now as a father? Being an actor, starting a podcast, you know, doing these projects, how do you handle it emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything?
3: Well, it's amazing. I mean, it's everything everyone tells you, and you don't listen yeah. beforehand, and you wait as long as you can. Yeah. I did. I literally did. But I, uh, I think, yeah, it does get worse, but it gets so much better that it's worth the ride. And uh, and my daughter's now at this age. That's you know, unbelievable. Uh, I would say the podcast, if I go project by project, the podcast is the most fun because it's five minutes from my house. Yeah. And I have a reason to leave once a week. And what's great is the nature of it. Is it's not just, you know, like, you got to hear my life story. It's probably boring to you. But, like, when you came on, I got to, we got to talk about, yeah. like, you know, I'd never written a song. And then similarly, I've never been hooked up to a lie detector test or I've certainly never done beatboxing. So it's like all these adventures... Everyone who has a new kid should definitely have a podcast where they have a different expert coming. It's like a liberal arts education for a 40-year-old or something. There you go. (laughs) But uh, So that's really fun, and there's kind of nothing hard about that. And I'm home two hours later with my kid. I'll tell you, I'm in uh, this—there's an adaptation of The Hot Zone coming out on Nat Geo, which is one of my favorite books from the 90s, and I'm in it, and there's a scene where I had to cry— and the real difference I noticed was beforehand I'd have a little trouble crying sometimes. I'd have to work myself up. And... After the job. Oh, man. It was like I couldn't... Like, There's, it's a very emotional scene. Really? Yeah. And I just, like, so fast. I just went there. Because you, you're just... I don't know. You're just more loaded up. You didn't know that chamber existed for you, you know?
0: Do you feel like you're a better actor
3: then? Because... Well, I'm certainly a better, better crying emotional. actor. <laughs> yeah, If you want me to be uh, less emotional, maybe that's hard now. But... Uh, no, nah, I think it's good for an actor. You can always scale it back. You know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- to find a new kind of cylinder, it's good. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like you're creating? A, you're gonna. Do you feel more urgent to be a working actor, or you're kind of like I've had my time, and if something comes, cool. But I want to be a father. And
3: oh yeah, I think. Or is it like it I would be hard to find anything. the actor who's a dad? Actually, that's probably not true. You probably could find it. It's just you wouldn't like that guy who's like. me on location right i'm like part of the reason that i'm excited to have a podcast and uh hopefully we monetize it at some point is because i would love to you know take one movie a year off the docket really yeah i mean who doesn't want an office job you when you're younger you're thinking how do i how can i be an actor and be in movies and now i'm like how do i just stay home really yeah yeah and you you're one even before we had a kid you crave the the schedule. The there's it there's is, no the schedule. Yeah, yeah, I'll have like two months where I don't work, and then a month where I'm getting up at 4:30 every morning, and you know it's like I'm all over the place. Every project's so different. Mm-hmm. I'd love to just have a company I go into and just every day work at. Yeah, it'd be especially the, having a you kid. have the
0: opposite life of most people. yeah well, you do too, probably, right? The, yeah, exactly. But most people don't want to go to an office and like work every day. They want to have like the flexibility and freedom and be have
3: creative projects.
0: Yeah. And well, it's funny you just. But you did that for 20 years.
3: Yeah, I grew I grew up. My dad would come home at you know six p.m. every day. And I think that was good for me, and it was good for him, you know? Yeah. The routine is
0: powerful. Whenever I'm traveling too much, I feel like I'm off my workout schedule. My
3: But you probably got like if you have a problem, you're like, okay, let's sit down, let's fix it, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, okay, so how this is gonna be my new schedule, and I'm gonna do that's like what most you wouldn't know this, but <laughs> most humans just let it kind of go. Sure, sure. And then they kind of you go know, on my life's crap right now like i gotta figure it out but uh i hope in terms of i think what your original question was which was um you know do i seek out projects as much no but a little bit that's having a kid a little bit of that is kind of feeling confident that like i'll probably work again so
0: the right projects will come to you yeah
3: there was a time 10 years ago where you go like come on but i you know what's funny i realized i didn't have to do that it just was you know i was young you know Mm,
0: the anxiety of it yeah yeah because there's a lot of actors who, I think we might have talked about this briefly on on your show, that there's a lot of actors who they might have huge hits and then for three, four, five years get nothing because they've been casted as a specific role or whatever, and they just can't even get auditions.
3: Yeah, look, I I, uh, I entered the business in a really unfair way. I I've worked hard to... Uh, earn it in retrospect. You know what I mean? By uh, the work. Yeah, the work? I mean, hopefully, but it's still probably nothing compared to someone who has to enter from the ground. And so I have great respect for people who, you know, really have to grind it out mm-hmm. and trying to earn it now. What would you say is your biggest insecurity?
1: At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently.
2: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50%
3: off. My penis is too big. (laughs) Too big. Yeah. And it's like, do I get the surgery or? (laughs) Right. Um, No. uh, My biggest insecurity. Or fear or? Well, it wouldn't have anything to do with work anymore. You know, like and that's another thing about having a kid. And really when I met my wife, you could start feeling you're in a family mm-hmm. that uh it would be like, I don't know, like the polar ice caps are melting. Like when she's right. an adult, there there's not gonna be any polar ice caps. That's not right. Right. I and mean, I can do nothing. Except maybe be in Spike Lee's movie about <laughs> climate change. Right. You know, maybe you can do a little something. But uh yeah, I would, it's all kind of family stuff and you know, and also being a new dad is like you just think of every worst case scenario. Yeah, save yourself, man. You're not that married, sucks, right? Man, just, no. just don't be in it. You're like, why do I? Why did I do this? I care so much about this human? Yeah, it's it's unbalanced, you know. Like, but it's too late now.
0: What's the greatest lesson you learned from
3: your daughter so far? It would be something involving patience. She's not that old, so like, uh, well, learn about yourself through her. Yeah. Well, yesterday was my day. I take Tuesdays. That's all me. And uh, oh man, it's long. I mean, it's like no one tells you. Uh, how kind of boring it is at the beginning. I mean, she can't even talk yet, so like, we're spending all day together, she's kind of like hitting a pillow, and I'm like, you know, this was a good five minutes, and we gotta fill up, you know, 12 more hours. Patience. Patience is what she's talking about, you know. Yeah, I guess, also like, you don't, I hate to be cliched, because it's what everyone says, but you didn't know you could love someone that much. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, it's. but everything I'm saying, everyone's said before, you know. But it's true, huh? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. She looks like more? me it's totally self-centered she looks like me I'm like oh, this <laughs> is beautiful
0: <laughs> what's been what's been the greatest challenge being married in the relationship while having a new a new child
3: you know it, it's funny everyone said like it's the sleep and I was like man I've done all-nighters on film. like I've done I a whole movie that was all-nighters you know what I mean I'll just kind of figure it out and it's not that it's like all-nighters with this incredible amount of stress and so it's just I would say it's kind of a sleep, and my wife's a rock star. I mean, like, I've really married up, so she she's a great parent. I am a good co-parent with her, but she is, an, like, a born amazing parent, and and she's also a rock star at everything she does. So I've just been trying to kind of, you know, bend the knee, you know, like in like Game of Thrones, you know what I mean? Like, I bend the knee to you, and, uh, and uh, she's... But that's part of any business, right? Like, I feel that way with Sim on this podcast. Yeah. Sim has already made one of the great podcasts of the early podcast world, podcast yeah, yeah. sphere. And I did have a point where I worked with people that I was like friends with more
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, on movies and producing and stuff. And I realized, like, I, I do want to work with friends if they're the best at what they do. That's not always the case with your friends. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know Sim. We, I mean, I'd met him once years ago, and then I went on his on podcast, and he said, I want to take you out to lunch. And I was, I was kind of open to it. I said, sure. I, I thought it was like to hang out or something. He said, I want to do your podcast, because I guess it had gotten like a lot of downloads or something. And I said, oh, I don't want to have a podcast. And then I thought the idea, he was so passionate about it, as Sim is, and, he, and he's so, uh, he's at the forefront of this new thing, that I thought, you know... I'd, I'd like to work with him on this and it's really him like he came up with that format of the adventures like that's cool i couldn't have come up with i don't know what my bad idea for a podcast would have been with me but think someone once told me you got to feel if you have a partner like you both have to feel like you're fleecing each other at all times fleecing each other yeah like taking advantage of each other oh, you know right, like right. like like i'm winning being married to my wife and she just doesn't know it like i'm sneakily like <laughs> and it's the same thing with sim i'm kind of like I just
0: show up and yeah, exactly. do my thing. And
3: if he feels that way about me and my wife feels that way about me, then it's, you know. Then worse. Yeah, I'm sure my wife will be thrilled that I compared her to Sim Sarno. <laughs> in all, in all uh, endeavors. Right, you know. right, exactly. This is great. Do you remember what I made you talk about when you came on mine? I was like, uh, do other motivational speakers, do you hate them? We I mean, it did. It didn't make our podcast, so don't worry about it. But it was like, I, you turn on Facebook, everyone's uh-huh. like living their best life and whatever, yeah, but yeah. you actually did it. But like, I mean, people are watching this thing right now, but yeah. these people, it's kind of like 34 likes and it's probably half of it's their family. Mm-hmm. And I was i was so obsessed with like, what does that feel like to be, mm-hmm. what a weird time we live in. No one could do what you do normally mm-hmm. 10 years ago, but now everyone's, you know, talking on their phone and telling them like, yeah. you Get gotta stick stages. with your dream or yeah. whatever. I'm like, you don't even have your life together. Like, right. I don't mean you, I mean the person who's.
0: Everyone's co- trying to be a coach of, of something. And that's why, I've tried to take a different angle and not be necessarily a coach, even though people come to me for coaching and mentorship or whatever, but I try to be a facilitator, a facilitator of ideas and say, here's, I'm going on an adventure, kind of like you. Here's what I've discovered for myself. Here's the lesson I learned. through." Because you can do that. The other thing,
3: you can't really, you can't tell someone do this. You'll be better, right? I mean, but you can say, like, talk about yourself and, like, right, exactly.
0: Here's how I learned because I was chasing my dream doing this. This is what I learned, and
3: here's something you can try. It does, it bugs the shit out of you, right? Come on. Like, you're watching these people. And also, one, you're going, I could do this so much better. And two, you're saying you're doing it wrong. It doesn't bug me because it allows me to rise to the top.
0: That's smart. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, okay, everyone's looking for answers or looking for solutions yeah. and it allows my platform to continue to rise.
3: I feel like that when I watch a just a terrible movie. <laughs>
0: You're like <laughs> with okay, bad go. acting. I go like,
3: oh, this isn't so hard. Now.
0: Like, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I also look at like, I want
3: people to succeed.
0: Like if their dream is to be a coach or to be this or that, like I want you to figure it out one day because I want to collaborate with people who are rising. Sure. So yeah. I look at, you know, it's just like, I don't know, if you see someone who's a bad actor when you are starting out, but then they worked on it for 10 years and now
3: it's like their career took off. No, I don't want those people to take, I want, especially people who are 40 year old male, white. Right, nerdies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want those people to fail miserably and there's kind of only one spot left. It forces you to get better though. Uh, that is true. If there's competition, it forces
0: you to say, you know what, good, I'm gonna learn how to be better. I'm gonna learn how to grow, how to invest more in my resources and my time, how to have a different unique opinion so that I stand out.
3: Do you know who's the best actor to watch? Talk. I mean, I don't really like watching actors talk, so I'm even you mean, wary. When opinion I... out of the screen, outside of the screen, is Ethan Hawke. I just straight up YouTube videos of him giving interviews. He's always saying stuff that's like really important about the craft or outside of the craft. And he told this story about River Phoenix because they were in The Explorers together. Mm. Do you remember that movie? No. It was in the '80s, they were like kid actors in it. Like, no, who knew they were both going to blow up so hard? Like, it was just they were two kids in a movie with these three boys who go in outer space or whatever. And he decided to go to boarding school and this is before Dead Poets Society or any of this stuff and just decided to be a real kid. And River Phoenix became everything. He was the coolest guy in Hollywood all of a sudden and you got to hear him tell this story but River Phoenix was in like a Rolling Stone interview where he's on the cover and he's talking about reading Catcher in the Rye uh, and Ethan Hawk's like you didn't read it I read it and I told you what it was. You know he's so he said he was in agony of jealousy of River. Wow. And he said when he died, it just, like, exploded him. Like, he went, like, I was wrong. Like, that guy was making me better the whole time. Like, I wouldn't have been in Dead Poet Society. I wouldn't, he, like, wouldn't be doing what he's doing today if he didn't have that, that. Competition or that other. I don't even know if it was just competition. It was, like, he also respected him on a certain level and Mm -hmm. thought he was great. And I just went, oh, that's so great he told that story. Because I do think you're right. Ultimately, people you respect give you, I had that in tennis, if you play someone worse than you, you lose to them. Yeah, you, know, you play someone better and you, you get better, yeah.
0: You know, LeBron James wants competition because it's going to make him score more points and be one of the greatest of all time as opposed to, oh, I only need 20 points this game to win. This is the difference between you and these guys on
3: Facebook. Is, this is what <laughs> I'm saying. You actually came from doing something where when you right. say that, I go, oh, you know, you've yeah. been on the field. You'd rather play against the best and win and you're like, man,
0: I gave my all and it worked as opposed to like, oh, that was an easy season. We won the championship because we didn't play anyone.
3: I know you're right. I mean, I in the way that movie making is like sports, I right, right. agree if with you. If it's like,
0: yeah. if there was 100 bad movies and you were the only good one and you're like, oh, we're going to win every award, cool, feels good, but it's like, no
3: well, one. Well, back that up, actually. Do you mean the Academy Award? Yeah. Mm. Or any other way. <laughs> like, no, no. I'll take that.
0: Yeah, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean, it's like, You'd rather win knowing, like, man, there were four other great nominations. Like, no, but I think what's even better is that
3: they make you better. It's not yeah. just that, like, you kind of can feel the... competition is actually the wrong word. It's kind of negative. Yeah. yeah, not
0: competition, but just other quality work.
3: Yeah. Other people yeah. doing
0: great work that make you want to do great art as well. Yeah. Here's a more of a personal question for you. Hypothetical. Imagine this is your last day. Oof. And... It's not gonna happen, but it's
3: just like, why did I come to your podcast? I went for my family and my now, imagine, I gotta get out of
0: here. <laughs> maybe imagine in a year or a couple of years, it's you know one of your last days and your your daughter isn't able to speak yet. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's coming up in a few months. And you can leave her with one lesson that you can record on a video, or you can right. say over audio that this will be a lesson that she can. Right, because she's the age now where I'm like, chair. Right, right. Now. Chair, <laughs> That she, wouldn't be the right lesson. When to, she's right. 16, 18, 21, she can right. open this lesson and oh. listen to it, watch it. She can take it in. What would you say to your daughter on how to experience her life?
3: You know, it's funny. It's something I talked about on Anna's podcast because it was a movie I did with Anna. I had had enough successful things that I got to produce a movie, mm-hmm. and it failed so hard. It was number 11 out of 10, opening weekend. Wow. I mean, it was just like— uh, And I, it, it wasn't for lack of me trying. It was for lack of me knowing anything about how to do something like that, and I cared so much about it, and I was so—I knew that I had, it got held for a little bit, which is very painful— and in that time, I felt like I had then digested the lessons, but it was kind of too late. Do you know what I mean? But uh, So I knew there was learning going on. But when it came out, I was just devastated. And then a couple months later, like like from that time on, my life has been, or my working life has been unbelievable. Because I, it taught me so much. Even after you failed so miserably. Well, I would say that. Th- I mean, everyone has a different version of the story. Sure, sure. But failure is the most wonderful teacher. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's like... All the current successes I'm having are because of trying to go deeper in a thing that I didn't understand. And there's no way. I'm watching my daughter right now. You know, she didn't start walking until she fell on the floor like a thousand times. So, you know, I'm sure it hurt. She can't even talk about it. She's learning to try to talk, and it's the same thing. I was uh, really—I didn't even understand what the job of actor was until I got out of it as a producer and saw there were all these other elements and every right move that I make now is because I made a wrong move then. Mm. And I, it, was, uh, it was great talking to Anna about it, because, I, by the way, I like the movie still. It wasn't like it was a terrible film. It just kind of, God, you go back to each experience and you say, I mean, who doesn't do this past a certain age? Go, oh, if only I could change that, or if only I could change that. But that's what the future is about, is the, you know, being able to change yeah. it, right? yeah So what would you say to her? I'd like say failure, uh, yeah, just don't be, you know, at the time I had so many wins in a row yeah <laughs> and it, you get addicted to that feeling but it's actually i tried to do this mathematically once it's like when you're feeling challenged you're actually going up the mountain and when you're going down the mountain you feel amazing like there's no challenge you're just sliding right down it you know so like it's so much fun but then you look up a year later and you go oh i didn't i didn't do anything <laughs> any consequence or whatever but uh every time you're messing up i felt it the whole time i was doing seventy show i'd learn how to the best way to do an interview and that's only from doing like i went on leno and i couldn't speak i was so nervous you know what i mean it's like and then they were like that was a terrible interview and then you could figure it out and you know it's so i just it, the whole thing i guarantee you this is a thing to do to look at other people who are crazy successful who you want to be like and go oh they messed up you know they've done it all wrong too mm. maybe they were not as famous as I was <laughs> when they were messing it up. But I think like, that to me is my, it just, I so embrace failure now. Uh-huh. When I fail, I know I'm, I'm I'm uh, my status is rising, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people think when they're failing, they're going down. You think it's really kind of when you're succeeding that you're not growing, right? You're not growing. You're you might be hitting a stride, but you're not. No, it just right? the, the act of just succeeding. The work is... When you're working and it's challenging and then it has success, that's great. That work was great. But, you know, I just went to 200 parties for Black Klansmen. That doesn't help anything. Right. Do you know what I mean? You're like, just having fun. You're just like getting it. Yeah, you know, hey, it maybe helps the movie's chances at being nominated or something. But it's truly when you're – just what I've noticed for me, maybe <laughs> I'm just so bad at it. This is how it feels to me, is that when you're, when you're dealing with obstacles – and you're even failing against them, but then you're learning how to do it better, and that's when you're actually climbing. Mm. It just It's just painful. Yeah, I
0: hear you. Man,
3: this is called the three truths. Yeah. This question. But I got to think of Lewis Howes metaphor for climbing. Something with cli- rock climbing, or can you give me one? So you're rock climbing, it's painful, it hurts yeah, yeah, you, yeah, or whatever, but that's how you have it, the muscles yeah, at man, the end. Whatever, I don't know.
0: <laughs> This is called the three truths. I asked this question at the end for everyone. Mm-hmm. She so kind of shared one already, but maybe you'll have a different three here. So imagine so imagine this is your second death. This wow, your, okay. Your what is this death? podcast called actually?
3: Am I dead now? You got to go through pain, remember? I I'm in, I'm in like some kind of purgatory where you just interview me until we see if I get into heaven or something, right? So imagine
0: this is like your last day, you're 100 and something years old. Okay, you live as long as you want to live right. you achieve everything it is good. Okay, it is <laughs> good You achieve all the things you want to achieve you have the life of your dreams You go through failures ups and downs But it's the final day and you look back and you say I don't regret anything. I did it all great life and you get to leave behind three truths three things You know to be true from all your experiences all your lessons all your ups and downs that you would share with the world not just your daughter, but with the world what would you say are your three lessons or three truths to the world?
3: Uh, oh man. Well, yeah, the failure would be one. The would be, if you are getting that um, penis reduction surgery, research the doctor. That's all I'll say. No, uh, the other two would be, oh man, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not anyone that someone should listen to. Uh,
0: but just what do you feel from your life experiences that makes, makes sense
3: for you? I would say, yeah, maybe one that's in tandem with that failure thing is being being up for anything. Mm. I noticed that when you came on our podcast because we were talking about sports and they were talking about being an orator kind of. Uh-huh. And then someone came in and said, We're gonna write a pop song and you didn't miss a beat. Like I thought you were maybe gonna go, I was kind of hoping to be honest, that you were gonna be like, I can't do this, you know, because you want, you know, a guy who's confident, who's yeah. got, you know, to like not but you jumped right in, man. And I and you told me a story. When we were talking, so I think I knew it was gonna be like that where you did the musical in high school. Yeah. And if there's I a jumped in, yeah. Yeah. That's like I, was I didn't scared, do
0: But I jumped in.
3: I was scared of football, but I didn't play football. I was yeah. doing the musical. <laughs> so like I think that quality, which I learned maybe later in life, I wish I'd had it has to do with failure. Yeah. But I think it's a slightly different thing. Yeah. It's like just jumping and even if I fall, uh, hit, hit single hit out. coming out on iTunes or <laughs> out now. It's uh that, that is true. It's like yeah. it's worse to not have uh, tried to try It's worse than I've tried, than never tried at all, or something. That's, that's like, one that's of the lyrics, like, too. Yeah, that's one of the lyrics. lyrics. <laughs> man, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to hear this. I yeah. love that you still know the lyrics. Remember, that's how good it is, man. So catchy. How memorable it is that we wrote it and we remember it. <laughs> but like it was uh, like three months ago or something, right? It was a while ago. I, I really believe in that. I, I've had a couple of instances where some director will say, like, you know, we want them to fly out here to try out for it, but you know, don't waste the trip, you know, it's, who knows, I can't promise you the role or whatever. And I think, man, get on that plane, go. You, you never, never know. Yeah, you never know. But, but it's so much easier said than done. My dad used to say that to me all the time, like, ask her out, you know, ask her to prom. So, yeah. What's the worst that can happen? The, the, you what happened? Rejected, you she rejected like me from all my friends. <laughs> but I even think that made me stronger. So I think that's one. And then my other one would be three truths. Oh, man. just dance like no one's watching. <laughs> uh, It would be, uh, uh, I think there's some, there's a balance of real world and fake world. It doesn't just have to be Hollywood, although Hollywood is a much more pronounced, like you really can tell like what is the red carpet and what is you at home in sweats. But I think everyone has a version of, you know, kind of this curated um, work life thing and this home where you feel comfortable. And I think you have to be tipping at the very least, tipping in the direction of home. I heard this thing on Charlie Rose once, years ago, where he was interviewing um, Andre Agassi. And he said, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. What's the best day of your life? But first, I'm going to play the same question I asked Pete Sampras on my show last month. So they turned to the monitor, and Pete Sampras said... "When I beat Agassi or what? You no, know, it's just kind of like tied, match, set, whatever. You know what I mean? With Agassi, overtime, you know, whatever. And... You know, a beautiful day, maybe Wimbledon, you know, that kind of thing. And then it came back to Agassi and he said, oh, that's really kind. Like, wow. And he said, well, what would be your best day? And he was like, i probably had like a barbecue with my family. Like, it wasn't about tennis at all. (laughs) It was great. And it just showed the difference between those two players, right? Sampras was, you know, kind of a real robot about it. Agassi was more of an artist. And I do believe that your personal stuff is tied to whatever your professional Wants or dreams are kind of can't happen without that balance. Wow.
0: That's pretty interesting. Yeah I think I've heard that truth before. That's powerful. Did you
3: say it or something? No, I don't think I've heard that from. Oh, oh you don't think you've heard it. Oh, I thought I said I think I've heard it before. No, I don't think I've heard that before that's- I housed your book last night, man. That's no, no, good. Yeah. Now, yeah, I think I would say page 82 uh- <laughs> No, I think that's
0: powerful. I want to acknowledge you for a moment for For constantly showing up and reinventing yourself because I think no, it's, it's it's hard to you know be a star in one show and then Continue to reinvent and do other challenging projects, and, and and try to do that in this space. I've seen a lot of actors who haven't been able to do that, and you've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, someone
3: asked me on the red carpet of Black Times and did did you ever see yourself playing the <laughs> Grand Wizard of the KKK when you back when you were doing '70 show, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, why would I have been daydreaming about like, if I could ever play the exact opposite? Right? But it's powerful, man,
0: because you're willing to take risk, you're willing to take the jump, you're willing to fail, and. Uh, and I acknowledge you for that, man. I acknowledge you for being a, a powerful father, or a great leader for your family, and everything that you do, and taking the
3: risk for the podcast. So, congrats on! Thank you, dude. Congrats on that as well. And thank you for. By the way, I was just so your audience knows, I was two episodes in before you. Yeah, really was nervous. Like a sim or People like had that. vouched for you, and I and I was aware of you, but I, you know, you don't know what someone's actually going to show up with that kind of energy, and it was. Uh, we should give you a cut of that show because you were so great. The adventure went so great; it was our first like great one. And like, oh, that's good. just thank you for coming yeah. on. Mate. It all
0: went downhill after that. No, I'm just kidding.
3: no it, well, <laughs> weirdly, I uh, kind of it could, but it's when you see that something—it's just like doing a show or a movie it's If you see it can start working, then that becomes the roadmap of like, uh, how do we do this kind of thing? That's yeah, cool. so it kind of led
0: the way for the. Next
3: I won't tell week. you what the first two episodes were yeah, if they're airing. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> great. Well Make sure you guys check out the podcast. It's called Minor Adventures: Topher Grace. And
3: uh, where can we connect with you online? I'm not too active on social media, but I guess follow Minor Adventures. Minor Adventures? They'll tell you when. On Instagram or Twitter or wherever it's at. I'm so bad at this part. (laughs) But you're on
0: Instagram, right?
3: Yeah, I, I, yes. Once I got married, I was like, I'm going to do two photos a week. That's a promise. Okay, cool. So you're reminding me I have to post a photo at some point this week. Okay,
0: perfect. And uh, is there a website for you as well or? No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Just social media. Check out the podcast. Subscribe to it. My final question then is, what is your definition of greatness?
3: Mm. Give me other answers real quick. I'll give you
0: mine. It is uh, to discover the unique talents and gifts within you and use those gifts to pursue your dreams and in the pursuit of your dreams, make the maximum impact on people around you.
3: Yeah, that sounds pretty thought out. I don't think I'm going to have something uh, that quick. Uh, here's what I'll say: I was just in a conversation with about right now. So this is at this point in my life, what I'm trying to do. Ten years ago, it was like trying to get a date with you know whoever, but get a girl to like you. That was yeah, no, that that that's too. the motivator that brings yeah. you. To like. But uh, I would say right now, I'm trying to not focus on an idea of what I think I should be. Maybe that comes with being 40 or something. You know, when you're younger, maybe you think like I should be. Like, wouldn't it be great if i was this or just not having any because i feel more confident than i did in my 20s and i want to like then the perfect example is the podcast or something strange like that that i wouldn't have thought i was going to do and just saying hey if i if i have if i've identified these qualities you're talking about you know that are good I mean, oh yeah that might work and just being uh, confident remaining really open because you can't i mean if i said to my agent i want to do an action comedy they'd go, okay, we'll ring you up when one of those comes together, you know, but to just stay open and say, you know, I'm going to work with the people, I mean, like, like the David Duke thing, like, I, yeah. you know, three days before that, I didn't know I was going to be doing that, so, yeah, I think I would just, just to remain open and confident what your things are. Uh, that's cool. Go for it, my man. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you.
0: And there you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Topher Grace. Make sure to check out his podcast, Adventure, as well, that I just went on and we recorded the song. And uh, go listen to it. It's pretty cool. It's really exciting, actually, to see what we created in a short amount of time. If you enjoyed this, share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 781. Share it out. Spread the message of inspiration and greatness far and wide to make an impact on the lives around you, the people you care about, send them this podcast let them know tell them to subscribe if you haven't subscribed yourself make sure to subscribe right now over on the apple podcast on your phone you can go to spotify listen there soundcloud google play all the places leave us a review the reviews really help us get the message out as well to spread the message of greatness to more people remember that you are a incredible beautiful one-of-a-kind individual There's no one who's ever going to be like you ever again. You are here for a reason, and I hope you remember that. You've got an opportunity to do something special with your life. You've got different moments where you can maximize the gifts and the talents that you were born with. You can discover new talents and gifts. You can learn a new skill. You can master it and then apply that by giving value to other people with your talent. You can make magic in your life if you choose to work at it. You've just got to be willing to step up and have the confidence in yourself. I hope this podcast, The School of Greatness, has given you different tools and inspiration and confidence to allow you to take the leap of faith into the unknown, the leap of faith into the scary, messy times of life. Because once you get through those scary, messy times, there is incredible beauty on the other side. I love you so very much. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Oh. We'll